Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. How are we doing tonight Mr Burrow? Good yourself? I'm very good, thank you very much. Good day at work. Absolutely, looking forward to getting a special guest on the show. Aye, brilliant. Aye, that's us on episode, what is it, what are we on, 35 33. 33. Yeah. Oh, somebody's not keeping track of it, right? Well, sorry, 32 for Instagram, so if, I'm sure we've got a few sitting in the pipeline, so no, you might be right, it might be 35, it might be 36 actually, but anyway. In the 30s. That's just numbers, isn't it? Numbers, aye, numbers mean nothing. So, what's coming up today then? Who's in, who have we got in store for us today? Well, this week in the podcast, we're, we're joined by Donny McLeod. Donny is the Head of Education Services at Glasgow City Council. Donny was studying at Jordan Hill College within the Scottish School uh, for Physical Education. And after that, he, he moved to uh, become a P Development Officer in the Scottish Borders, based at the Queen Centre in Galashiels. Following this, he spent 18 months at a as a graduate assistant in the physical recreation at Stirling University. Afterwards, uh, Donny spent 10 years as a PE teacher at Larbert High School in Falkirk as teacher and assistant principal teacher. He was then a principal teacher of PE at Lindsay Academy in Eastern Bartonshire and also spent 14 years as a school inspector with HMIE, which we're going to ask him um, to talk about shortly. Firstly, um, he worked to be HMIE as a secondary inspector and then after that, subsequently as a national specialist for PE and lead inspector for outdoor learning, something that we are very passionate about. He then became, he then moved on to become an area lead officer uh, linked with Ayrshire Education Authorities. The last two years, uh, Donny spent as head of service within Glasgow City Council Education Department. Sounds like a, another guest with an absolute wealthy experience. Eh? Looking forward to this one. Yep, and it sounds as if he's got a, a breadth of experience, um, not just within PE, but also kind of within uh, HMIE. So now we're looking to dig a bit deeper and hopefully provide the listeners with a a more um, comprehensive uh, insight and experiences from Donnie's career. So no, we're both really looking forward to getting this one underway. So I think we should just get him on the show. Okay, Donny, thanks a lot for joining us today to share your leadership experiences and your kind of thoughts on the current educational landscape that we find ourselves in. Um, I kind of presume this has been one of the most challenging yet, if not the most challenging. Yeah, it's been a difficult time, hasn't it? It's been new for all of us. So I think we're learning every day. Every day is something new. So uh, yeah, and that brings its own challenges, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're just having to take it week at a time at the moment and just kind of adapt as we go. But it's been, I think we've learned a lot from it as well. Absolutely. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, if I look at the situation in Glasgow, uh, the size of the city, the scale of the city, uh, the backgrounds of our young people, some coping better with lockdown and, and the pandemic than others. And uh, obviously, depending on the, the backgrounds that young people come from and their, their home circumstances, some of those are more stable than others. And I think that helps uh, or, or can be a, a barrier in terms of how well young people cope uh, in the unknown and the uncertainties that we find ourselves in just now, yeah. Yeah, that's what we've kind of spoke about before as well. It's not known, we don't have that end point as of yet, and it's just always that constant uncertainty, which is a battle for pretty much everybody. So, aye. Hopefully there's a bit of good news coming up soon, though, with the vaccine, but I suppose it won't. it'll take a bit of time to for things to get back to normal, but hopefully there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel now. Well, that's right. That provides a bit of hope for all of us that, that mm. while it's it's hard, there is probably going to be an end point uh, in the in the spring of next year. That would be great, wouldn't it, if that came about? Mm-hmm. So Definitely. Uh, I think people need that hope to hang on to, don't they? Yeah. I certainly won't take the simple things for granted anymore. That's for sure. Right, so just kind of kicking us off then, Donnie, could you tell us and the listeners just a wee bit of background information on your career to date? Because we touched on it very briefly in the introduction, but if you could just give us a wee bit, wee bit more, I guess. Yeah, well, um, I was the second last year out of Jordan Hill College, the SSPE, so the Scottish School of Physical Education. It closed the year after I left. And uh, when I left college, there was very few jobs, permanent jobs around. Uh, circumstances were quite challenging. And I was friendly with one of the senior lecturers at the SSPE who had a contact in Scottish Borders. And he arranged for me to pick up a a temporary post 
as a PE development officer at Borders College based in Gala Shields. Uh, so that was where I first started uh, and uh, I did a few months there and then I applied for a grad assistant job at Stirling University. Uh, I was unsuccessful actually, um, but the girl that got the job uh, decided she didn't want to pick it up and so they came back to me to say would I be interested. So I went to, to undertake a, a master's in education and be part of the, the physical recreation department as it was called at that time, working with people like Ian Thompson who pioneered um, sports scholarships across the university sector in Scotland. He was, he was the first who was into that uh, in terms of a director of physical education in universities, so ahead of his time and had very much mirrored the, the Loughborough scenario and the Loughborough approach and that was very successful and I remember some of the some of the graduate assistants at that time included people like Katrina uh, Matthew or Katrina Lambert, as she now is, uh, the golfer from uh, North Berwick. She was one of the grad assistants at that time. So it was a real privilege to be part of something that was really pushing the boundaries of possibilities and also worked with a great guy there uh, by the name of Peter Billsborough, who was very forward thinking and uh, made a significant contribution actually to physical education uh, during his career, very understated, but but played a, a, a significant uh, role. After about 18 months at university, I, I, I picked up a, a post at Larbert High School uh, in Falkirk Council, large secondary, at that time about 1,500 pupils, um, but a thriving PE department. Uh, and again, a great, a, a, a great place to start your career, teaching career. And I, I was there for about 10 years, simply because it was such a fantastic place to be, a vibrant school and a vibrant department. And then after about 10 years, I moved to Lindsay Academy in Eastern Bartonshire. And again, a fabulous school, working with some great people um, as a principal teacher. There for about five years and then went into HMIE, uh, thinking I would only be there for about two or three years and go back into the sector. But I ended up staying for, for about 14. And for the last two and a half years, uh, I've been working with Glasgow City as a head of service. So that kind of sums it up for me. Good bit of variety in there then, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, all of the roles have been really, really good. And, and I've worked with some fantastic people, uh, worked under some, some great head teachers, two fantastic head teachers, both very different at Larbor, and a really good head teacher at Lindsay. Uh, and actually, given my 14 years in the inspectorate, when I came across many different schools and many different head teachers, I would say that the three head teachers that I was privileged to work under uh, would would be able to hold their heads high uh, in, against any of the other heads that I came across during my time in the inspectorate. So very, very highly regarded and I count myself privileged to have worked under some really good people. And similar in the inspectorate, uh, you know, I, I went into the inspectorate as a principal teacher of PE, uh, knowing quite a lot about the PE world, but not much <laughs> about uh, other things in education. And I wasn't long in, in picking up uh, and benefiting from the intelligence and the experience uh, of the people that, that you're, you, I was surrounded by, particularly in the early days of the inspectorate, yeah. And Tony, see when you say they were, so, they were so good, like the head teachers, what makes them so good then, in your opinion, like the, the head teachers you work with? I think, uh, you know, if, if I think of the three, one was, one was very, very big on extracurricular mm -hmm. uh, and that wider tapestry of school life. And he was, he was great at appointing people that shared his vision for that. So actually what you got was you got someone who not only delivered well in the classroom, yeah. but punched above their weight by offering something way beyond the classroom. Uh, and, and there was numerous people they appointed in that regard. So it wasn't unusual for people to be doing things in the evening and at weekends and during holidays because it was just the way that you did things. And... And he, people bought into that because he, he was very much a personality figure and a very likable man. Um, the other woman that I worked under as a, as a head teacher was very, very well organized. Uh, you know, brought a thoroughness and a focus to work. And they were both very different, but uh, really, really well focused on making sure that the learning and teaching experience was as high, as it, high quality as it could be each and every, every day. So high expectations really there. And then the, the head that I worked under at Lindsay was a very, very good people person and just managed the school really well. It was a happy place. 
and it was a place where people were 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 pleased to turn up to in the morning, and that positivity uh, spilled over to the young people. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. Sounds as if you had a kind of wide range then of skills and qualities there for head teachers, and quite like the extracurricular one going that extra mile for the kids. Yeah. Does pay off, doesn't it? They, they notice that. Yeah. See, uh, yeah, very much, very much so. Yeah. See, with regards to, I know you kind of touched on you did a, a role as a PE development officer. Could you talk to us a wee bit more about that? Was that like looking at curriculum stuff, like from the old school PE style curriculum from like standard grades and then going into like National 5, things like that? Or what was it kind of focusing on? Yeah, the development officer in the, at, at the Borders College was really, they had, they had built a, a PE facility alongside the, the uh, college and it was used partly by the college during the course of the day, but it was very much trying to promote its use um, in the community, uh, evenings, uh, weekends. Uh, I, I think in some respects they had created the job, hoping that by going down there, I would then be well-placed to pick up a permanent job mm-hmm. if it came up in the borders. But uh, it was really just at the infancy of that, of that uh, development. So it was really just trying to increase the throughput of people to use the Queen's Centre uh, mm-hmm. as a resource uh, to support physical activity and physical education, but also as a community resource at a little gym and a game. So um, yeah. I, I really just to increase its, its, the recognition of that centre within Gala Shields at that time, because it wasn't, it wasn't too well off at that time for yeah. community facilities. I see. So we can, uh, what I find out then from you, Donnie, what is your favourite memory since you've got obviously such a big background in PE with your work? What about your kind of school life? What are your kind of fondest memories of PE? Well, I, I mean, I was, I was very much um, part of a, 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 a school experience. I had a fabulous school experience, but it was very much one that was characterised by extracurricular activity. There mm. was drama, there was music, there was sport, uh, a wide range of activities, which meant that the the classroom stuff from the 93 was bearable because you had this rich uh, array of activities that you could um, drop into after school. And that really made school for me yeah. and, and sh- helped to shape me as a person. And therefore, when I was going back in to teach, I wanted to be that person and, and put back into the, the system what I had benefited from as a youngster. And that was very much my thrust. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, 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 the teaching... Um, commitment nine to, to three or nine to half three was important because that's what you were getting paid for but it was in that provision of those extracurricular activities where I got my greatest satisfaction I think uh, during my teaching years um, and I'm quite I'm quite fortunate I still live in the, the community that I first began to teach in and mm. I, I still come across many of the young people that I taught in the early years of my teaching and and most of my interactions with them are, are thankfully pretty positive because yeah. they 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 remember um what you did for them in terms of, of going the extra mile they remember the positive uh, foreign trips the positive significant events i remember i was privileged to be part of uh, a team that won the the scottish senior football shield at hamden uh one year and you know events like that ski trips foreign holidays yeah uh, during the summer all of those activities really made it made it meaningful for me. So it's, it's partly about the young people, partly about the extracurricular for me. And I think we need to find a way in Scotland of recapturing that in some sort of innovative and creative way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the unfortunate things about PE is that so much of the time now is taken up with, with curricular and national qualifications that we've lost, we've lost sight of the, the need uh, to provide that extracurricular uh, array of activities. And I think, I don't think the balance is right. And I don't think it's one or the other. I think it has to be both. But we need to find a creative way of, of, of providing that. It's funny you talk about um, like meeting into former pupils and stuff. Because I was out for lunch, I think it was last weekend, my girlfriend, we were just down the Clyde Valley. And uh, I bumped into my old PE teacher. And uh, I was just chatting to her and I was talking to her. Just, we were just having a laugh about all our memories and PE. And um, that's what I was saying to her. I said it was the best time ever was when she used to put on a, a freestyle gymnastics club and she had all the crash mats out, all the ropes, the trampets, everything. And basically put us in at lunchtime. We just used to go and just have an absolute ball. And it was just amazing. And that's like one of the, the things that really sticks out for me and um, from my PE as well. So it's great to, 
to obviously meet your, your PE teachers and stuff like that. So I can imagine what it'd be like to meet your pupils as well. Yeah, and folk don't, folk don't forget that. I mean, there's a great adage, isn't there, that no one forgets a good teacher. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably been the driving force for many of us to come into education. But it's, it's certainly held in my experience. You know, I, we all remember the good teachers that were a positive influence on our careers and mm -hmm. our, our journey. And I, I guess the drive is that you want to be similarly for, for others. Yeah. So, Kenny, as a, as a wee follow-up then to your kind of teaching memories, see, as a young teacher, Clark, I don't know about you, but I've still to go through the inspection process. And you said you were kind of, you had a, a good few years in as an inspector. For the people listening who kind of are in the same position as us, could you give us a wee insight into what the process is like? I, well, when I, when I finished up, it was, it was very much a different model from where I started. Uh, when I started, there was a kind of focused inspection on four departments in a secondary school. So you would have had maths and English and two others. But in the latter stages there, just before I left, you, you looked at learning and teaching right across the school. So there wasn't that kind of focused intensity of drilling down into to one department. But basically, it's about about looking at the, the, the outputs for young people. So what, you know, I mean, I think you can look at all of the planning documents, all of the improvement plans, educational perspectives reports, but ultimately if it doesn't make a difference in terms of the quality of what young people are experiencing day in, day out, then you've got to question you know, the impact of all of these processes that sit behind it. So for me, it's about the quality of that that interaction between teacher and young people in the classroom and the quality of that experience. How well are young people engaging? How well are they developing? How well are they progressing in their learning? And how well are they achieving? And that's in the round. So that's not just about national qualifications, although that's a big part of it. That's about the wider achievement. So the attainment being a small, smaller part or a subset of wider achievement. So how are young people achieving right across the board? And what does that look like in the classroom? So it is very much about the quality of that classroom experience in terms of the quality of the learning and teaching and, the, and, and to what extent are young people's needs being well met. And it's hard to meet their needs well if the curriculum's not good. So it is very much about what does the quality of the curriculum look like? Because uh, if the quality of the curriculum's not right, then you're going to struggle to meet the needs of the young people. Mm -hmm. See, just on the, the inspections, see when you walk into a school, do you ever just get a sense of the culture straight away? Like, yeah, you, you, can, you, you get a feel for it. Yeah, you can usually pick that up quite quite quickly. Um, you know, just from interactions as you watch mm -hmm. and observe teachers interacting with young people. Uh, mm -hmm. Young people, you know, are they respectful? Are they, are, are they engaging? Mm -hmm. uh, how many are sitting out? Uh, yeah. as a good indicator in PE. You know, mm -hmm. how many are shrinking around the sides and how many are engaged in the main, the main learning of the lesson. So you, can, you, you tend to pick that up quite quite quickly in terms of that ethos it's ethos isn't it yeah, and yeah. in some schools you can touch it and see it hear, hear it and feel it other schools it's a bit more difficult to unpick why things aren't as they as they should be I can imagine you would, how long you could, would that last sorry when you go how long would the inspection last would that be over a week yeah yeah well I mean when I first started uh, way back in the beginning it was over two weeks you used to have a two-week inspection for a secondary school and a full week for, for primary. I, latterly, we had moved to doing both in a week, and then there was also a, a much more reduced inspection, which was a kind of two-day inspection, which was very light touch. Um, but again, uh, a, a lot of that was to do with resource, and a lot of that was to do with ensuring that there had been a, a regularity of contact with as many schools as we could, because we are finding that many schools that had been a significant amount of time before they'd been inspected. So the models had to look slightly different. Okay. I can imagine you must have um, seen a lot of good practice as well, being a, a, as an inspector, seeing some really, really good teaching. Yeah, I can remember sitting in some lessons. That, yeah, I can remember sitting in some lessons thinking, wow, I wish I was a, a pupil in this, this mm -hmm. class. And I yeah. came across many, many practitioners who actually, honestly, would, were, were far better practitioners than myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so privileged really to sit and watch. It's great to watch a professional, um, you know, with, a, with significant expertise, doing what they're clearly being made to do yeah. and are good at. Uh, that's great. I mean, that's great in any field. And it's great, great in education to watch a really good teacher um, at the peak of their craft, uh, doing what they can do really well. Effortlessly. And, and getting, 
Absolutely, and getting the, getting the response back from the young people. You know, I liken it to if you watch a really good swimmer doing something like butterfly yeah. in a pool on their own, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there's a, rhythm, there's a rhythm and a beauty and an attractiveness to it. And I think it's the same when you look at a good, really good teacher. It yeah. just masters at a craft. And as I was saying, you watch these athletes in the Olympics, like you see, the one that fascinates me the most, and I think they just make it look so simple, it's the, the half-pipe snowboarding. So the guys are going down and they're just going up and I'm just like, that looks so easy. Like you want to just go and try it, but you'd end up breaking your neck. But that's how good <laughs> these guys are at it. Their technique's flawless and it's the same as any any profession, like you say. They yeah. just make it look simple. But and there's nothing better than watching a teacher and control a lesson. Yeah, no, it's good, isn't it? It's yeah. a good feeling now. It's good, it's good to watch. Um, and I think we underappreciate the skills that are involved in all of that in terms of how yeah. you develop to that point where it is, does become effortless. Yeah. Mm. We'll see, see on that then, moving on to the next one then. If anyone's getting inspected in the near future, how can we as a profession or PE department ensure that consistency and quality of teaching remains at a high standard? What, what advice would you have for anybody out there? I think it's just about doing what you do day in, day out, but doing it as well as you can. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, I approach, I mean, I was inspected twice as a practitioner and my view was, I'm just going to do what I do every day because if it's not good enough, then I want somebody to tell me how I can, can improve. Yeah. And if it is good enough, then great. I want, I want to know and have that recognised and, and have the confidence from knowing that my practice is, is pretty sound. So I, I wouldn't be getting overly anxious about it. I think in terms of sharing that across a big department, it's just about sharing what's working well um, with different, different groups and different groups of young people and making sure that everybody's got an opportunity to benefit from that practice. I think, I think we're probably much better now as a profession about sharing our skills and sharing what's working well. I think probably when I first started in teaching, people were kind of put hands around their work and didn't share it with anybody. You know, I'm yeah. a really good teacher, but you're not so good. Where I think now we're much more, much more cooperative in terms of being prepared to share what's working well. And I, I think it's about sharing what's working well in a department and making sure that everybody has an opportunity to, to benefit from that expertise. So that there are these kind of core elements in all lessons. And there's, a, there's a, a routine and young people know what to expect. They're clear about what to expect. And they're clear about what they expect you to deliver. And you as teachers are clear about what you expect them and how you expect them to engage in a lesson. So I think just being clear about what the boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having that, I think in lockdown as well, like this, the, there's a, a Teams page set up with PE teachers across the country and we all share materials. I think that's, that, that only happened in lockdown. Um, it was created by SAPE and that's been a really useful tool to engage in PowerPoints that have been put up and I think Twitter's good for that as well. So yeah. I'd agree with you there. Um, and then, as you say, it's about having that, no, that collective responsibility within the department to share things that you think are working well. And yeah, definitely. So for other teachers then listening to the podcast, um, what strategies could they take away with them to implement in their own schools to, to improve the quality of learning and well-being for the young people in their care? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big challenges there is, I mean, you touched on it earlier in terms of the variability sometimes that exists within a department, you know, depending on, I know with my own, young, my, my own kids, you know, if you get Mr. X, you get a good deal, but if you get Mr. Y, it's maybe not so good. And I think, I think departments have a responsibility to make sure that there is a minimum standard that everybody comes to. Now, some of us have got expertise in different areas that will take the quality of the experience beyond that. But young people should know that regardless of who they, who they have in front of them, that there's a certain standard that's expected. In terms of individual practice, I think it's about sticking to the basics. It's about quality relationships. I think, you, you know, good learning comes out of quality of relationships. So do you have a, a, a professional relationship where young people know that you're interested in them and that you care enough about them to give them a quality experience in the classroom? One that has high expectations, where there's well-earned praise, where there's personalised feedback. You know, you are showing them that you care. Simple things like remembering their name, remembering how they did in the last lesson, the previous lesson. How does this lesson build on their previous lesson? Mm-hmm. Um, and communicating that through through the ethos that you create in a classroom, that you care for young people. You know, the people talked in the past about that kind of unconditional positive regard for young people. 
teachers should have that unconditional positive regard for young people, regardless of who they are, how good they are at PE, where they come from, what their background is, whether they misbehaved yesterday or not. You know, that we've got we've got to start every day fresh and new, and, and and be able to communicate that care and that that unconditional positive regard through all of our communications with young people. But I think the core of good learning it basically comes out of good relationships. You know, are, are you interested enough in young people? Always come back to that touch to them to say, are you interested enough in young people to offer them a really good experience in the classroom? Yeah. And would you say then, from the relationship that you build, does that then? affect the behaviour as well positively and the behaviour management side of it is less of that? Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. If young people know that you're interested in them and you know them well uh, and you're able to identify their strengths and weaknesses and what they find challenging and where they find uh, support and you do that in a, in a caring way and you address that in a caring way, then young people will, will respond well in my in my experience, I think the experience has to be challenging as well, though. I think too often, uh, particularly in PE, we, we expect too well of our young people. You know, and we have a kind of lockstep approach to learning skills to say that you've got to learn this skill before you move on. And I think that's nonsense. You know, you can't have that lockstep approach to learning. You've got to respond to young people in terms of how they respond in the lesson and meet their needs by providing that constant challenge on to the next thing and moving on. Now, that's not to say that everything has to be perfect before you move on, but you would move on to the next bit and then you could revisit and recap and fine tune. And we know that skill learning, all of us know that skill learning doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes a while. Uh, but we've got to make that experience as interesting and exciting, progressive and challenging as it, as it can be. Don't have any ceilings. Don't put any false ceilings in place for young people and, and make sure that our expectations are high you know, I remember in the early days of teaching, people used to say, you know, young people will reach the expectations if you if you pitch them appropriately. And I think too often we pitch them too low. Mm -hmm. it would be my would be my sense. And I, and I think maybe one of my other worries is that we need to reclaim the practical element of physical education. I think in some of the classes that I I used to see, uh, people were trying to make their PE lesson too similar to other lessons across the school. And I think we need to reclaim the unique aspect of physical education which is having kids physically active and learning through experience, the experiential experience in a practical setting that's the unique contribution that PE brings to a youngster's broad general education and if we don't capture that nobody else is going to do it mm, yeah so see on that then see with the national qualifications now it's 50 50 in terms of theory and practical would you like to see it maybe 60 40 or like more more towards the practical side or do you just mean like in BGE I think I mean I mean I'm I'm mainly talking about BGE yeah. um, because I I think the national qualifications are important but we have to remember there's a very very small percentage of young people in terms of the school population overall will pick up a, a national qualification in PE so we've got to think about all of those youngsters and serve all of the youngsters um, as well as we can even those who will not continue it. Uh, international qualification. That's not to say that national qualification PE is not important. Of course it is. We want to make sure that kids get kids get a good deal and young people get a good experience. But yeah, I think the 50-50 is probably about right. I, I mean, I don't. you could dance around with that 60-40 or 50-50. I don't think that's a big deal. I think if it's to be a, a national five or a national or a higher qualification, it has to have that rigour and robustness of a, a, a kind of theory element. But it's about that theory element. I mean, the best practitioners I'll deliver that theoretical element through the practical situation anyway. Yeah, that's true. And I think you made a good point about responding to the students over in the lessons. That's a massive thing, isn't it? And don't be too uh, focused on your, your lesson plan as such. Try and respond to the needs as you see it. That's a that's, that's a where I, itself. I'm that's sure where I think a lot of behavioural issues come up as well, or like disengagement. Because see, if, see for like a ex classic example, I would say is like volleyball. Like that's a a sport that the kids find really really challenging like i'd say in s1 s2 and then when it clicks they absolutely love it but if you're just teaching that skill all the time so you're going through the volley or whatever then if they can't do it successfully it's a, it's a difficult sport to learn if they can't do it successfully then they just disengage and if you're sticking on that all the time then you're not going to get anywhere mm -hmm. see just you know? on that point point lewis it's interesting that you you picked that up because that was actually quite a a watershed moment in my own career because i remember at one time we were 
we were a department we were teaching volleyball and it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't exciting it wasn't engaging the young people and we invited along a, a woman called Rona Brody at that time from the Scottish Volleyball Association to do some professional learning with us mm -hmm. and basically she she turned our approach on it on its head because it, we weren't we weren't then limited by trying to get perfection in the skills. So basically what she did is she worked back the way. So she said, right, what's the object in, in volleyball is to get the ball on the floor. So so let's practice the spike. Yeah. So you practice the spike and kids enjoyed thrashing the ball off the floor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you work back and you say, right, okay, how do, how do we get to that position? Well, you've got to set the ball high. Okay, so mm -hmm. we need to learn how to volley. So how do we learn to volley high so that we can get that? And you work back the way and then yeah. eventually you came back to the, the dig because the, uh -huh. the first pass had to be a good pass in. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of revolutionised our approach because it was about, right, what's the purpose of the game? It's a bit like Thorpe and Bunk Bunker's approach to uh, ga teaching games for understanding. Yeah. What is the function? What's the ultimate aim? The ultimate aim is to slap it on the floor. So let's work back from that. Uh -huh. And then kids get a better understanding about why they're doing what they're doing. Because yeah. often, up until that point, Kids barely got beyond a volley or beyond a dig mm -hmm. because staff were saying, "No, you have to get this perfect before we move on." Nonsense. Aye, that was um, that my lecturer at, at uni when I was on my postcard. He was massive on that, and that was when we started a block of volleyball. He was kind of questioning like, "What skill would you start with first? And everybody obviously kind of said volley. Um, they need to know that before. And then that was exactly his his philosophy on it as well. Kids want to smash a ball hard, and then they want to be able to perform that skill in a game. But if they can't do the, the basic fundamentals right, they're not going to be able to get to that point. So it's a, a good way of teaching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Donny, see in terms of the kind of revel you cut that kind of re revolutionised the, the teaching and learning within your department. Has there been any other changes throughout your career that's kind of because I know there's a big focus. There used to be more of a focus on skill development, whereas now it's more the life skills and the communication and the problem solving and leadership. Has, yeah, has it changed over time? Well, I think it has changed over time. I'm not sure that's, that that changes for the better. It just, I mean, you've maybe picked up from what I said earlier. I think a lot of these things, in terms of the life skills and the problem solving and the skills for work, came anyway through a mm -hmm. focus on, on on the skills development. And I think that's the unique contribution that PE has to make. I would like to see a greater priority on that. That's not to say that these other things aren't important or these other things can be offshoots of what what the main focus is but I, I think we need to reclaim the essence and protect the essence of what a physical education experience is, is about which is primarily I think about the development of these physical qualities and the effective the effective domain and, and the, the development of the effective domain that comes about by putting young people in a situation where they have to cope with success and failure yeah. winning and losing Things not going well. Trying and trying again to get something that's perfect. Practicing uh, uh, skills, um, but also giving them a sense of what is the purpose here. Well, I think too often kids don't understand the purpose, and and therefore they struggle to see the relevance of much of what what's planned for them. Mm -hmm. So, do you mean like so for skills like communication, decision making, all that doesn't really need to? You don't feel it should be as it. It doesn't really need to be explicit because it naturally occurs within the sport because I think yeah. sometimes where, where I've kind of been a bit confused with the whole benchmark side of things when trying to plan lessons on like problem solving or resilience is trying to fit them in with a, with like a learning intention and success criteria and then you end up your head's just all over the place when actually you're, at, you're focusing on trying to get their, their skill levels up and these um, qualities like resilience and problem solving are all going to fall naturally into that. I would agree with you absolutely. I, would, I, I think there's been far too much of a focus on these these wider areas, and we've lost the essence of the of the subject. And I think we need to fight for that and reclaim it. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that communication is not important. But if you're a good if you're a good performer in volleyball uh, in a team, you will be a good communicator because you can't yeah. function if you don't communicate well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want to be good at gymnastics, there's a certain resilience is, is required because a lot of these difficult technical movements will not come easily. Exactly. They'll not come straight away. So a lot of it's built into that. I have to be absolutely honest, hand on heart, and I think the benchmarks have gone to a ridiculous degree. I mean, 27 pages last time I looked of benchmarks for physical education. I'm sorry, that's just bordering on chaotic for me. Mm -hmm. I think we need to boil it down to what are the essential elements of this 
uh, subject of what does it bring to young people's broad general education. So mm-hmm. I think we need to be wary of, of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ends up, ends up so messy, doesn't it? And then levels within levels. And then the ultimate goal is to prepare them for the national qualification, which is a performance uh, repertoire and their skill development. So you try to work towards that. And I think you need to get back to teaching the skills, as you say. Um, I just think it, la- I think it lacks focus, but that's my opinion on it. I just think that I just struggle to see, like, there's just so many variables. And then with that five and higher, of course, there's like the, the course outline and there's a structure and there's a focal point. You're working towards an exam. But with the BG, I just think that's where the confusion for me certainly comes in. I don't know about anybody else. No, I know what you mean. Like, so I was, if you were going out to teach football, you'd end up saying, right, I'm teaching determination and resilience today through football. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that would occur anyway, as you say, when you're practicing passing or once you put them into a game situation, that should then naturally occur and then you can bring your attention to it when it does. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think we have got to be bear in mind that um, it's not all youngsters' physical education experience is about a preparation for national qualification. Mm-hmm. I think it will be for some. Yeah. But I, I've always had a, had a view that we need to think about the youngsters who won't continue as a national qualification and offer them a really good pathway in PE so that they, as they come through a quality PE experience, leave school whenever they leave at fourth, fifth or sixth year and have a desire and a passion to continue with some aspect of, of, of physical activity into, into that, con- you know, whether it's a member of a gym or whether it's joining a sports club or doing something recreational. I think that should be a aim. Uh, yeah, part of it is about giving them a good foundation so they achieve well in the national qualification. But I don't think that's the reason there is on detra uh, for, for a physical education curriculum. Mm-hmm. So that that um, kind of leads us nicely onto the next question if we're talking about barriers and um, obviously the, the current situation of the curriculum. So if you could remove all barriers and constraints from education, then what would one thing or project you would love to see being worked on or what's the thing you wish you could change about the education system in Scotland, if there is anything? Uh, good question. I mean, I think um, if I look at it from a primary perspective, primary teacher's perspective, I think we need to, to lessen the expectations in and around planning in a primary uh, school. I think, I think there's far too much time is taken up and energy is taken up by uh, an over-elaborate approach to planning within a primary school. Now, that's not to say that planning is not important. It is. You need to think about what you're going to deliver and how that's pro- progressed over time. But we need to do that in a, in a smarter more streamlined way so that we free up our primary practitioners to have the energy to deliver a quality experience. So that's about the primary. Within a secondary, I think I've touched on it earlier, I would like to see a much more comprehensive extracurricular programme offered in every secondary school in Scotland. And I think we need to think creatively about how we achieve that. My experience, I think, would show that young people want to participate and compete and be involved with those that they're in school with each and every day. Mm-hmm. One of my great frustrations uh, in teaching PE was that uh, when we had a really good football team, some of the, the really good players who were involved with youth, youth uh, and pro-youth couldn't play for the school team because the pro-youth clubs wouldn't allow them to train and play with their, with their peers at school. Absolute nonsense. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolute nonsense. These youngsters wanted to play with their peers and get mm-hmm. the, the enjoyment and the satisfaction and the recognition from playing with their peers week in, week out. Why do you so think that was, though? Sorry? Why do you think avoid, that was the case? Injury, but they're not really susceptible to injury. But obviously, they can be, but nowhere near as much. Like, they're a lot more... Well, it's probably just a protection thing, but it's, it's mental, really. Think, do you think it's because of, like... Bad habits is like if they're getting coached different ways, or like what I wonder what the thinking is behind it. I think it was just, I don't know, there was an awful lot of thinking goes behind it, and I think I know, that's, that's probably crazy. where we ended up. But it certainly wasn't in the interest of the young person, definitely not. Uh, and, and there was a bit of kind of protectionism there, which I think was, was ill founded, would be my view. Hmm. Um, so I think it is about creating that, that rich variety of activities, drama. Music, art, sports, debating—all of that. I mean, if you look at if you look at some of our uh, independent schools in Scotland, they managed to do it, and they managed to do it well. 
they're not working with any more intelligent or talented young people than we have in the state sector. But, but the young people that they're working with benefit from that rich, rich offer. And I think we need to find a way of building that into what we offer our young people within the state sector. Because you know what? If it's a good offer, they will engage and they'll want to engage. And it mm -hmm. makes family life more manageable for parents. It makes community life richer. It makes relationships within the school community stronger. And it makes for a happier school more engaged young people, better behaved, that have an identity and a pride in their establishment. And I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Brilliant. It just has Brilliant. such a knock on it has such a knock on impact, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's about, it's about creating a space and a place for every single youngster. You know, yeah. regardless of where you know, it could be it could be something like computer games or a or a robotic challenge if they're into science or you know, a, a, a science club. The best schools I've worked in have offered that, that mm -hmm. rich array, and young people have responded really positively to it. Okay, yeah. As you said, it creates that community spirit as well, which is yeah. something that everyone should be aiming for. And in lockdown yeah. as well, we, we were talking about how, right, right at the start of lockdown, like kind of March, April, everyone was, you know, being active. It was like, and then music came to the forefront and art. It was all the kind of practical subjects that they, all, everyone was engaging with at home, like young people yeah. and even just ourselves and, as they well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Important there. Yeah. Right. So, lastly, then, Donny, in your opinion, what makes a high-quality teacher? I think I probably touched on this before, and I'm maybe repeating myself. It's about relationships. It's about yeah. demonstrating that you're interested in the youngster. It's about having really high standards. It's about demonstrating and, and communicating to young people that you, you've given some thought into what you are offering them. It's mm -hmm. not the same old, same old. And that you're gonna you're gonna stretch them, you're gonna show them and, and teach them something new, and they will leave at the end of the lesson being able to do or understand or demonstrate something that they weren't able to do when they came in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a commitment to that each and every day, having that high standards, that pride in your professional practice. There was a, a really formative man in my training, a guy called Roy Small, who was a senior lecturer at the SSPE and had been quite a formative guy within uh, the coaching setup at large in the Football Association. He was a Glasgow man. He had played football for Queen's Park in his younger days. But he had a great saying to say that the mark of a professional is the attention to detail. And I think as PE people, we've got to be, have that, give that attention to detail. And that detail manifests itself in having a care for each and every youngster within your lesson. You know, I used to always set myself a, a target to say that in the course of this lesson, I will have spoken to every youngster in the class in some way. Uh, and, and that's a big challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's not a bad, bad challenge. I think it's realistic that someone has shown an interest in that youngster uh, during the course of that lesson. In the course of a 50-minute period, I don't think that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm, definitely. Even if it's just like a wee bit of praise or feedback or Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. it's a good target to take away for anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to move on to a quick fire round now that we do with all of our guests, Donny. Um, sure. And just for the first one, I might, I might ask if it's okay. Just where is your hometown? Just before we. My hometown is Larbert, which is next, just next to Stennismuir. Yeah, I know where you are. Right, so number one then, uh, we'll crack on. If you could have a giant billboard in your hometown in Larbert, what would it say on it? Well, given that I'm a, a keen fan of my local football team, Stennis Muir FC, I, and I have been, a, I was inducted in that by my father, so that's been a, a burden for me throughout my, throughout my years <laughs> since I was a young boy. I was dragged along to the terracings at, at Oakleview when I was a youngster on a Saturday. Uh, so I would have a big billboard saying, come on, the Warriors. Nice. Nice one. And um, with the plane last night in the Cup? How did they go uh, on? Yeah, plane? didn't do too well. They got whipped by Livingston 4-0. So, they've had a good start to the season, though. Right, that's good. That's a positive. Um, what book or books have had the greatest influence on your life, Donny? Uh, I think I would say anything by Robert Harris. I think he's a great, a great author. So something like Archangel, Enigma, Munich. He writes uh, books that, that I've actually come to quite late in life, but I've really enjoyed them. They're full packed with historical facts, mm -hmm. but with a really, really invigorating and inspiring storyline about, about people. So something by him, 
professionally, I would say uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by a man called Steve Covey, who's an American. Uh, again, I was, I, I was well into my teaching career before I came across that one. But he talked uh, in a really meaningful way about uh, things like only focus on the, the main things. So focus on other priority. priority. Uh, don't look to control the things that you can't control. Look to continue to sharpen the saw, which is about professional learning and keep yourself well updated. And then look after your health and well-being. So, you know, don't take it too, too serious. Don't take the job too serious. Don't take yourself too serious and look for opportunities to switch off and, and refuel. And I think maybe the last thing, and it might come as a bit of a surprise, I would say the Bible. The Bible's a great book. And for me, it, it speaks into our experience uh, in a way that nothing else can. And it, it, it provides us with a framework and an answer to the big questions of life in terms of the meaning of life that nothing mm -hmm. else can. So, yeah. A lot of words, like a lot of these kind of quotes and words of wisdom and all that, all kind of stem from the Bible anyway. Like a lot of the philosophies yeah. and things like that just now all date back to that one book. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There's more. There's more about our, our our common interaction, our common life, than than we acknowledge. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've got a friend who reads a wee passage a day, doesn't he, in the morning, yeah. and then kind of reflects on it. And that was our last guest. He actually said the Bible was. That was his answer for that question. <laughs> so, right, there you go. There you go, man. Good. So, number three, what advice would you give to a teacher about to enter the working world, or what advice should they ignore? Good, eh? Yeah, good questions, guys. I mean, I think something in there about developing your own teaching style, and don't be scared about developing your own teaching style. I think we're all different personalities. You've got to develop a style that fits your personality, and I think that's about you know, borrowing from other people, you know, you'll see other things that will work well with good practitioners and you'll say, I think I'm going to try that. Uh, discern what works best for yourself uh, and develop that and, and, and just look to refine that so that you become the best teacher that you're capable of becoming. I would also say don't listen to those who say it can't be done or those that say, I'll say we've done it before and it didn't work or that will never work or you'll never manage to do that. You know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't have any truck with anybody. I, I think if you and your, and your self think that something's worth pursuing, then you pursue it. Uh, and I think also, I think it's important that you ensure that you maintain interest out with teaching and don't let the job take over your life because I think it can quite easily, uh, depending on your personality. But I think we're better practitioners if we have a life outside teaching that we use to enrich what we do with our youngsters in school. Uh, and I think we'll be the better practitioners uh, because of that. So, uh, yeah, I think probably sum up uh, advice, the advice that I would, I think, be true and stay, stay faithful to, to what you believe and what you know that works uh, and stay interested, engaged in, and, and in individual young people. I think all of these things are, are important things to remember. And, that old adage about, you know, no one forgets a good teacher. You know, you offer kids a good experience. It's a privileged role. You've got a role to play, maybe just a small role, but you've got a role to play in the development of the next generation. Very few people can say that about their profession. Yeah, awesome. Uh, inspirational advice and words, words of wisdom, Donnie. Thanks very much. Um, I think it was, I agree with what you say there, about taking, taking care of your own well-being, especially at this time outside school and managing that. Workload is really important going forward, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again for thanks again for agreeing to come on to a wee bit of everything tonight and uh, share your experience um, over the last few years. And we're sure this will help current teachers and um, the next generation of teachers who are coming through as well. So thanks very much for your time tonight. Thanks to you guys. Good to see that somebody's doing something a bit different to support the workforce out there. And I've enjoyed it and I'll follow follow future episodes with interest. So I'd like to wish you all the best and thank you for your efforts on behalf of the profession. Thanks, Donnie. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks very much, Donnie. Okay, likewise. All the best. Take Great. care. Cheers. How did you think that went then? That was good, wasn't it? Another was, good one. That was absolutely brilliant. It was inspirational. Some of the answers that you had there. Very, very passionate about, um, I think just about teaching in general, but it's in particular like PE and what that can actually offer the pupils and 
how much of a positive impact that can actually have in a school. Yeah, you spoke a lot about um, extracurricular clubs and the impact that can have in the community and the families um, and also the relationships that you can build with, with the young people, um, not just obviously in your class, mm-hmm. after school as well. That really helps um, the outcomes for the young people. It shows that, uh, like you said, that you care about them and there's, you're putting on stuff, going over and above what your actual job is to offer something for them that they enjoy and they really love doing and gives them that opportunity to, to if anything, get better at what, like the sport that they're trying to play or just have a time to spend with their friends and just build those relationships and develop a, a kind of better ethos, I suppose. Yeah. And he said that the, the young people will buy into it and they will engage with it, but he said that every, Scot- every school in Scotland he would like to see be creative and offer an extracurricular programme. It doesn't just need to be PE, it can obviously be drama as well and science and nah. so yeah. something to think about moving forward yeah I thought that was, what was a good your, uh, what, was your, what was your key takeaway message um, I was quite interested in what he said about inspection because uh, I, I think that was a good attitude to have with regards to it obviously I've never gone through the process of that but there's always that sort of um, feeling about pressure. it that it, like pressure there's a feeling about going through an inspection that it's like a total anxiety for teachers and for a school. And he says it's just, just use it as a learning experience. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't try and do anything differently because if you're doing something good, then um, you'll get told and you'll get confidence from that. And if you're doing something that's not so good, then you'll get told where you can go better. And ultimately, it's going mm. to make you a better teacher. So um, I think just trying to go in with that mindset, if you're, if you're getting, if you face an inspection or whatever, and um, aye, probably that's easier said. To take oh. on. That's, where, that's where I'll be thinking about it. Um, yeah, exactly. And all about mindset. Easier said than done, as you say, as well. Yeah, but aye, that was my kind of takeaway message from, from that side of things. But I thought it was interesting the career that he's had. He's had a, a right variety and um, all been kind of teaching related in that same sort of area of work, all in the education sector. And um, obviously, got a wealth of experience, and the knowledge that he shared with us tonight was um, fantastic. So, definitely got a lot from that episode. Yeah, just privileged and grateful again to have these uh, types of variety of guests on and we're looking forward to next week as well where we welcome Paul McMillan onto the show as well from the University of Edinburgh. So It's something good, isn't it? Just coming in from work and just having a, a chat for an hour with somebody different, if it's an athlete, if it's a teacher, just just all walks of life, it's great just having these conversations because if anything, we're, we're getting something from it. So And hopefully some other people are getting, it's having an impact on others. Well, as you said, I, th- I think if we are getting something from it, so hopefully everyone who listens will get something from it, which will be different from what we get. But mm-hmm. ultimately, we're trying to improve outcomes for young people in Scotland and uh, communities. So, and that, see, well, since see, since that starting the podcast, though, like I've taken like there's things that I've actually taken from the guests and the episodes. Right, like I've actually taken things to my school and tried it within mm-hmm. my own teaching and actually implemented it in things that are actually still going. So it's um it's a great wee bit of a wee bit of C P D for for us, if anything. So hi, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Right everyone, thanks again for listening to a wee bit of everything. Um we hope you enjoyed the podcast and as always if you see it on Instagram at a wee bit of everything podcast or on Twitter at bro under slash mister or Cleland Lewis ninety four. We would appreciate it. If you could give us a share or a retweet if you've got time, as this helps us get the podcast out there so so others can listen to it as well. And just before we go, I hope you have a great week and take care.